The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, welcome. The Ashes is so, so close, isn't it? Less than a week to go, we're going to be hammering podcasts out during the Ashes. Daily, daily apparently. Anyway, we'll see how that goes, depending on our body clock and content. And also, if you lot are listening to it, but I'm sure that you will be. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening as ever and being with us. It's great, isn't it? Stokesy amongst the wickets in one of those warm-up matches. Wokesy in fine fettle as well. The Aussies with a new skipper, a new keeper as well. And look, we can't be there. We are so sad about that. Of course we are. And we're going to keep saying that over and over again. But we've got our Ashes events. Cannot wait for those. Really cannot wait. At the Greenwood Sports Bar and also the one in Manchester. I think there might be a few tickets left. But just it's worth checking anyway because they're going to be great nights. Absolutely great nights all the way through the night watching the Ashes and cheering on the boys whilst having that proper Barmy Army experience as well. Now, here's a little tip. It's not an advert. I know we are shameless, Chris and I, doing these adverts on some of our podcasts here on The Shackles Are Off, but this one is just me giving you a little tip. You can watch it on BT Sport. A full month subscription is 25 quid, and it's just one month. And that's a quid a day, effectively, for the Ashes even if you only watch cricket and no football, no rugby, nothing, which, by the way, there's loads on on BT Sport over the festive period. So, actually, that's just a little tip for you. If you've got 25 quid knocking about, might as well spend it on a BT Sport subscription. And if you've already got one, well, lucky you. Now, this one is kind of a bit of an advert. Last episode, we spoke to Mike in the last podcast. Uh, He's one of the developers of Cricket 2022, or Cricket 22, to give it its proper name. That is out now. If you are a video gamer, or you know somebody who is, it's a great little Christmas present for that. The gameplay, by the way. I mean, I'm not a gamer. I don't care. I'm not probably going to be buying it. However, it's absolutely... It's like... I, I honestly was watching it on a screen the other day, and it's 
like watching the cricket. It's so realistic. It's unbelievable. So there you go. There you have that. Um, just keep in touch with us throughout the Ashes. Anything, any pictures or videos of daft stuff that you get up to in the delirious early morning hours watching the Ashes. We want to hear from you at England's Barmy Army on Instagram, at The Barmy Army on Twitter, and at info at Barmy Army on the email. The email. How old do I sound? Anyway, we've got a great back catalogue of podcasts with many great players, home and abroad and past and current, from over the last three years that we've been doing the podcast. So if you need a cricket fix or you want to pass the pod or you haven't listened to any of them and you only just stumbled across this one, do go back and have a listen. We've got Joe Roots, or Alistair Cooks, or Andrew Strauss, Jimmy Neesham, Wazim, uh, Wazim Khan. We've got so many amazing guests, right? Like, honestly, the, the back catalogue is class. Can't tell you, Jimmy Anderson. Uh, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, thinking people like Simon Jones, Geraint Jones, Ashes winners galore, Matthew Hoggard. The list is brilliant. Great stories. Great insight and just a great listen. And I know I'm biased, but, you know, pass it on for us, will you? Anyway, um, here is one of two great preview podcasts that we are going to bring you for the Ashes, just ahead of the Ashes. And they're not players, but they are great nonetheless. This one is the co-founder of the Barmy Army, Paul Burnham. I could listen to Paul all day long, me. He's an absolute legend. He's seen all of the world. He is just an addict of watching cricket. He is a full-on self-confessed cricket addict. And we're going to talk to him right here on the podcast. So do settle in and we'll see you next time where we're talking to Matt Root, yet father of England captain Joe Root here on the podcast. But for now, just enjoy with Chris and I talking to Paul Burnham on the Shackles Are Off podcast. Paul Burnham, we've talked about you a lot on the podcast. Um, you yeah. described him as a living legend last week on the podcast. Did I? As a preview, yeah. Did I? Yeah. Well, there we go. High praise indeed. Yeah, it's lovely to be asked finally. Number 128. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I think this is in thought we get to a million first. Yeah. I think the one that really hurts is that David Nash got on here before me. But anyway, come on. Why, what's wrong with Nashy? I think he's from Sunbury, you know, he's an ex-cricketer. And <laughs> Knocker. Clearly, he's a much bigger name than Paul Burnham, not the founder of the Barmy Army 27 years ago. <laughs> Thanks for the invite, guys. Lovely. No, pleasure. Absolute yeah. pleasure, uh, Paul. Yeah, um, I think in seriousness, this is episode number 60. So, oh, okay. I hate to exaggerate. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you finally made it on. But we have got over a million listeners now, so there you go. So you're talking to a wider audience, Paul. Um, I mean, you know when you set up the Barmy Army, I mean, there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who won't know the story. We've got no idea how it happened, where it started, where it began, what, what the thinking was behind it, where the name came from. There'll be loads to go at here. Um, talk to us about the initial I mean Chris and I we know this story we've heard it off you a million times we love it and I want to hear it again how did it start what was it all about how many of the were, were of you and all that the short answer for that would be have you ever watched cricket by yourself right that's the short answer the long answer as you know goes on and on and on and thank you for the compliment of setting it up but it was very much 
you know, 100, 150, 200 people that set it up, to be honest. It wasn't something I set out to do when I went out there. You know, Mr. Peacock, Dave Peacock, was the, certainly the main guy, the general on that tour. I guess the setting up bit is following it up the following year in South Africa, 95, 6, and then, then every tour afterwards, basically. So the, the setting up was after it. The, the tour itself is, a, is still the tour I remember more than any other tour because it's... I think the first tour that you ever go on watching England is, is the memorable one because you do things that you probably always wanted to do. And equally, it was a really long, spread-out tour, unlike the ones now where it's back-to-back, back-to-back and one other. So it went on for... It was over there from October 94 to February 95. So it was a long, long time. What were you doing at that point? Because there'll be a lot of people who are thinking... Yeah, backpacking. Was, all right, for some. I was yeah. backpacking right, okay. at 30 years of age. So my background before that was British Airways. Right. Um, my dad died a couple of years before I went out there, left us a bit of money, and I was due to start a job in the city selling interest rate swaps in May '95. That was my, I've still got the contract that I never fulfilled. Um, and I went out, I left BA, left there in October '94, went straight out on a dream trip, having spent um, time captaining British Airways Cricket Club and playing into departmental forum, doing permanent nights with cargo just for my addiction of cricket. Um, 27 tours that I'd done with British Airways believe it or not I went out just to watch some cricket before I started a job in the city and changed my lifestyle but it didn't quite work out like that 27 years later I've become addicted to watching England play cricket I still love to play it but it's a young man's game as we all know Um, so in a a nutshell it was actually I went out there just to experience Australia where I'd never been been everywhere else with British Airways including New Zealand but had never managed to get over to Australia, so it's that tick box that. I'll tell you what really, really made me want to go was was the '92 final, the World Cup, where I saw the Aussies supporting Pakistan in a in a final against England and couldn't quite work that out, if you like. And, and then when we went over there, it was quite it was quite obvious why, because that rivalry between Australia and England is what it's all about, and, yeah, and certainly yeah, yeah. it's what started the Barmy Army. You know, we basically won the song contest all day long in the ground and at night. And they won the cricket, you know, quite comfortably. And uh, that's been the model for all these tours over the last eight tours, other than 10-11, when we know the Boxing Day Massacre, as I call it, <laughs> and they all retreated. So uh, <laughs> it's very was true. wonderful. Very true. 28, 29 years on from the Pakistan-Australian fans, you were at the T20 World Cup final recently. What shirt did you have on? New Zealand. Quite right as well. Yeah, very nice. Were well, yeah. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love to see it. Yeah, love New Zealand to beat Australia. It's it's, a, it's an Abbott strategy, isn't it? It's anyone but Australia it has to be. <laughs> but equally, as I, as I was talking to, you know, I had the New Zealand shirt on. There's a bit of banter. There's nothing like, you know, in Dubai, the, the people that were watching it wearing New Zealand and Australian shirts weren't. They were just picking a team. Basically, they weren't necessarily from New Zealand or Australia. Particularly with what's gone on with COVID, there weren't many people visiting Dubai. There was people that were there that had an allegiance for either one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know that rivalry between those two is, um, you know, it's pretty strong, but not as strong yeah. as the Ashes. You know, no. England, Australia, is absolutely everything for, for all of us. You know, absolutely. Mm. Paul, you started the Barmy Army as a business in circa 1999. Is that when you first registered it? No, it was registered in 95, back back in March 95. Dave and I registered it in the UK. Um, Dave Peacock, as I've already mentioned. And then it was a bit of a, it was definitely a lifestyle business taken more seriously when we first tried the travel in 03. Um, so the trip, the 2002 three trip away to uh, Australia again. So the third one that the Barmy Army, 94 5, 
was the creation of it. No, nobody went there to create the Barmy Army. It just happened, and you know the story. I'm not going to bore everyone with that for 25 minutes. Um, but 98.9 was a massive trip as well, and lots of merchandise was sold, and you know the business was getting exciting. We were getting bigger. We were travelling all around the world, ticking the boxes: New Zealand, West Indies, all of those tours. And then 2002-3, we decided that there was a demand for people to go that, that you know on an organised tour. And we tried that for the first time, and it was pretty successful, to be honest. And it and it moved forward to the <laughs> the nightmare of 067, which you guys both know the story of. Um, and, and, and just just elaborate on that for the people that won't know the story. 06 was a quite a pinnacle. Yeah, year I, in the I mean, listen, business. 05 was a massive year for English cricket, as we all know. And um, you know, Flintoff and the boys went off in 067 and we were pretty confident that you know you were going to go to Australia for the first time since 867 the Gladstone Small Wee and Botham tour where they won and people were 30 years on from that or 20 years on sorry maths um, <laughs> we're going to have a chance to watch England win away in Australia which is ev- you know everybody that goes there wants to see that happen particularly Absolutely. when you arrive and see what the Aussies are like how many um, times have you seen it? once 10 11 amazing absolute dreamboat but yeah, the 067 tour, we basically, you know, cut a long story short, we tried to take too many people at too low of a margin, um, and it all went pear shaped horribly. Oh, and thank you to all the people that helped. Oh, my word, yeah. I mean, the, the Barmy Army is so many things to so many different people, though, isn't it? Like, you know, Chris and I are relative, you know, Johnny come lately to it. Partly owing to our age. Well, mate, actually, well, that is the main reason. It's to, pretty to difficult any other way, right? <laughs> it would. But. It's um, it's just massive. It's it's like a huge thing. And what like really stands out with me is like we were we're in South Africa a couple of years ago now, and um, great winter tour there. And you've got mates everywhere now, haven't you? You know, from with, with tales to tell about them all, Sri Lanka, South Africa, all over the world. Who you've come across and had some you know good nights with, watched the cricket with, got some good tales you know to tell with. And I love all that. And you've been there the whole way through. You know, there's nobody else who's done it as much as you have. I love that. You've yeah, got so, so many... I'm a very lucky man, mate. I'm a very lucky man. You know, it's been an amazing, uh, amazing opportunity. I don't regret. Maybe my liver and other <laughs> other organs of my body might regret it, but I've enjoyed every minute of it, and uh, I don't regret it at all. It's been an amazing lifestyle. What a lifestyle, you know, to travel yeah. around watching England play. You know, and the some the great thing about the Barmy Army is that even when you lose, the boys, some of the most memorable times when we lost, even that 067 nightmare, you know, Perth, we lost at, I think, one o'clock, and I'll never forget the, the very good story is that the security boys were loving the fact we were still singing, you know, Super Fred's Barmy Army, non-stop, and they were taking pictures of us, brilliant, they thought it was tremendous. Half past three, four o'clock, half past four, five o'clock. They weren't so keen looking at their <laughs> Mate, you've been paid till five o'clock at least. Yeah, We're yeah, not going yeah. anywhere. <laughs> Super, Fred's, Barmy, Army. And that's, you know, it's one of the most memories we've got. And we've just lost the Ashes. Yeah, three yeah, nil. Yeah. All, the, all the Aussies have won. You know, it was the one when Gilchrist was smashing us everywhere. Um, you know, the Aussies had gone ten minutes after their victory and we're there on tour supporting the boys. And that unconditional support for the team and... Supporting them, even though you've lost, is what it's all about. And of course, when you win, 
it's, you know, I'd be lying if I said it isn't better when you win. Of course it is. But mm. also, and that's what makes it special, right? The unconditional nature of what you created with the Barmy Army is exactly what makes it different to any other supporters group. Well, what we've created, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Um, and, and that ethos is there all the way through. And, and it comes from those, those you know, the 94-5 tour. And it just carries on like that. And it all, it's almost... It's inbuilt, even on the new travellers, because they will talk to people about the past. Everyone's got to have their first tour. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, sometimes yeah. get criticised that, you know, it's a cliquey group. That have, but of course, when you go on a tour and you know people, you're going to talk to them when you see them in the bar. Everyone has to do their first tour, and then you'll meet people. Just the 30-odd that have just been in the UAE. Next time they're together, they'll be over at the bar chatting away, and there'll be some newbies that are on the next tour. And that's the way it works. It's like a... You know, never-ending chain, if you like, and Absolutely. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's class, that, isn't it? It's class. Um, I don't really know where to start on stories front. I mean, a lot of people who are listening to this will be going, right, OK, this guy's got a few tales to tell, right? Ooh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, I feel like I've got tales to tell, and I've done, like, two tours, right? People who've been on five tours will have... How many tours have you done, Paul? I mean, you've lost count, won't you? I've lost count, to be honest. Right, OK, right, OK. Um... I mean, it's it's like, I mean, it's, oh. it's obscene. I mean, the amount of test matches you've watched is an obscene amount, isn't it? What will that I be? I think you'd be the highest cap player in the current side. Yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? You would. <laughs> I'd like to think so, although there's probably quite a few independents out there that, you know, maybe not sit with the bar. I mean, don't forget, there's an awful lot of people go that yeah. everyone's um, in our camp, if you like. You know, quite a lot will go independently, watch it, sit quietly. You know, cricket is an addictive sport, that's mm. for sure. You either... It's a bit marmite, I think, with some people. But if you like cricket, I've been addicted to it since I was eight. I absolutely love it until the day I die. Um, I quite like the golf now because I can compete and play that. But yeah. cricket is something that, once you get the bug, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, love my golf. Tell you what, though, he was a player in the day. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the old scorecards. I've seen it and, and in Soweto. Credit to you, Paul. I thought Paul and Peacock opening for Barmy. I know, OK, they're gonna, we're going to be struggling here. Walk out, creaming... There weren't many singles, or all, all running at all. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, just playing yeah. going for extra cover, quite a pace. So credit yeah, to yeah, yeah, good, yeah, love that, love that. Um, well, Soweto again, you go, you go back to that. So that, um, that's that's a memorable story from the first tour. After the first organised tour was ninety five six, we went there, and that really set the charity stuff going. Yeah, which yeah. as you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, and very proud of all the fundraising. There's some absolute legendary, you know, Giles Wellington always expects to mine on the. the best guys on tour for organising events and raising money but it's something we've done and something we should all be very proud of the Stafford game every 20 years so Stafford Cricket Club it's going to be their 20th anniversary of raising money for leukaemia and um, leukaemia research 5th of August so we've, that one yeah, 5th, 5th of August, August for anyone listening Stafford Cricket Club yeah and it, and it should be you know it should be um, acknowledged the amount of work that they've done with it and the, the Barmy Army characters that go on tour are just you know they, they enjoy the crack they support the England cricket team unconditionally and everyone's quite happy sticking their hand in the pocket to raise money for local causes. And the good thing is they know it's going to those causes because yeah. quite often the money's handed over there and then. So that's something out of everything, I think, that I'm, I'm the proudest of. And Rightly so. The, the charity stuff, um, for all the listeners, goes back right to the early days, doesn't it? Yeah, 95-6. So the first, that, that Soweto game, we raised money. Uh, was, to be fair, it was Dave again that did the main thing there and he got everything doubled by First National Bank. So I think we raised the equivalent of £2,000. It was doubled by the local bank. So we've shown some initiative of approaching people there. And then every single, you know, the Bali disaster, the 
tsunami in Sri Lanka. You know, there's quite often been a no-brainer when you go to a country yeah. and it's just had a, a complete nightmare, whatever that might be, and that's the no-brainer charity. And other times, like Australia, as you guys witnessed, mm, yeah. you pick something that is relevant. So we've supported the McGrath Appeal and um, motor neurone disease a couple of tours ago because Brody's um, family were... Uh, affected by that so you know sometimes it's a bit of another the Strauss one you know the, the yeah. last captain's a winner ways tour massive for us to support that and more than happy to do I think we're doing it even in the absence of the Barmy Army UK being over there I think we're raising money for the Ruth Strauss Foundation through all the the boys over there running the Brisbane Barmies etc which is great and, and people don't have a problem doing that and I think it's the right thing to do you know it's not something we've done for PR purposes it's something that everybody's thought should be done and um... well the best example for me with that which I've seen with my own eyes and I mean this honestly to anybody listening was uh, Cape Town was it day three or day four the Australian bushfires yeah and you know (coughs) that was that was big in the news at the time and it was obviously you know shocking nobody really knew where it was going to end and there was probably eight or nine of us kind of whipping around with backpacks and upturned caps collecting um, Randing, and you know, by the end of the day, there was an absolute boatload. And it was well, I brilliant. Mean, I remember yeah, you, I remember you guys yeah. spending God knows how long trying to count it all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And listen, and that's not that's always happened, and it's something everyone should be proud of that's gone on the Barmy Army tour. And, and their attitude towards the England cricket team, mm. that unconditional support, has been you know, I know Joe's a, a massive fan of it now, but yeah. to be fair, each England captain has, has realized it, even yeah, Athers, yeah. you know, Absolutely. back in the day. Even Athers in his shy way, if you like, he realised that, you know, we were there to support him. And yeah. uh, I remember him being dragged along by Alex Stewart, who people might have argued should have been the captain in that time. But even Athers turned up at the end of tour party. But yeah. I think when um, when Tuffers was flying around in the bar, etc., he soon he soon departed. And wasn't but every a single Army member, unfortunately, where he placed his... Um... Too much alcohol on Atherton's shoes. Is that a story you can? Uh, the yeah, the Penfold on. Yeah, got so nervous about going up to speak to Athers, and just at that final point where he was going to introduce himself, he fell to his knees and puked up on Athers' shoes. Yeah, it's <laughs> not what you do we, to my. We will not name him, bless him. But um, yeah, very nervous. But yeah, listen, this oh, no. that interaction with the players has always been there, you know. And um, back in the day, they were allowed out a little bit more. And it's not a criticism of the new brigade, I think. Uh, things have changed it's a long time 27 years is a long Mm. period but the relationship between the fans and the players in cricket I don't think you'd get in too many other sports maybe a little bit in rugby certainly not in football yeah Um, yeah. and it's you know it's great people are if you're addicted to the game of cricket and you get the chance to you know rub shoulders with someone that used to be playing for England or is currently guys get excited it's not just England players either is it (laughs) that you uh, you know fraternise with let's say on nights out or have done in the past certainly as you said not now um, it just, just doesn't happen by the nature of things however we are going back Greggy we are um, but <laughs> the funny thing is it's actually at the same time as the Soweto because Soweto is obviously in um, Johannesburg or near yeah. Johannesburg so it was around the same time and um, it was day five um, or it was day four evening at about 10 o'clock at night and to our surprise Merrick Pingle who was playing for South Africa at the time turned up in a bar and we'd met a guy called Stewie the night before who had downed 25 straw rums now if anyone's ever had straw rum it's the equivalent of well it's rocket fuel it's ridiculous is Stewie still alive? It's, if you've ever been to Shrank it's like Arak okay right and Stewie oh, yeah. does not how he did it was unbelievable when the story was told by a guy called Chopper to Merrick Pringle and his entourage of um, 
few few ex other ex players with him um, and a couple of girls in his group of five. And the story was told by Chopper to him, and he was like, "Well, that's impossible." And Stewie then walked in. So <laughs> the challenge was, well, if he does just five, I'll do five. So Chopper obviously coordinated this. Not sure enough, Stewie down the five as easy as you like, because mm. he'd done 20 the night before. Um, and Merrick Pringle then had to down five, which he did do. But of course, Merrick Pringle then became Merrick Pringle extremely pissed and out of control. <laughs> um, Chopper kept that going, um, and his entourage disappeared, and it was left with just, luckily for him, one girl that was looking out for him. The others thought, well, he's sensible, he's, he's drunk five, he'd be in bed by one o'clock, and they disappeared. Anyway, about 4.30. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've still managed to keep him out and then this girl just day is, four just to be exact this is day yeah. four well it's now day five it's 4.30 in the morning he's just, about, yeah, yeah. he's just about to play cricket at 10 o'clock so we kept tipped him out thinking well we've got this crap but luckily for him she was there and suddenly lost the plot with Chopper who it was clear what he was trying to do um, and was pointing fingers at him and being very very angry anyway so she finally took control of Merrick, took him home. He was in a terrible state. Bearing in mind, he, I think we managed to persuade him to drink another five, uh, at least twice. So he would have drunk about 15 <laughs> straw rums at this stage, plus normal drinks. Brilliant. So the game starts. Um, it's Jack Russell, Mike Atherton. Mike Atherton gets 187 not out, yeah. legendary stuff, etc., etc. But there is the famous bit where um, Jack Russell gives Merrick Pringle a very easy court and bowl which he drops, I think at probably 15 minutes into that morning and everyone's like, oh, that's gone. And of course, he's dropped it. Come down to fine leg and the boys are like, well done, that's, that's sponsored by the Barmy Army and the Rattlesnake Diner, which is the venue that we were at. <laughs> and of course, we genuinely didn't know what was just about to happen, which was at yeah. this legendary knock. Well, it was, you're, you're for us, it's a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, this has made it... It might last till just after lunch instead of before lunch. Jack Russell. But of course, yeah. later on, um, they were still there. Merrick Pringle never played for South Africa again. What's great is, I'm not sure, does Jack know this story? Or? Yes, oh, of course. Hang on, the greatest course, thing yeah. about this is, for all the Shackles Roth listeners, that Jack Russell's come on and told us the at the wicket story. <laughs> Which you've was? Come, you've come on, on to, well, the, well, the proper well, story of him and... Him, him, you know, batting out. Well, there's your challenge. Never give a chance now get, now get Athers. And uh, now, what, there's well, your we'll challenge. Athers to come yeah, in. Yeah, number absolutely. 61. Yeah, absolutely. let's get him on. So basically, we need to tell all the listeners that Jack Russell had no idea what he was talking about. The Barmy Army won the test match. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, know, we do like to claim the odd wicket. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you're the Barmy Army sat in the stands with obviously very little cricketing ability, otherwise you wouldn't be there. You know, we've got to try company, haven't we? Yeah, the odd absolutely. wicket we can claim, I think, over 27 years. 100%. The odd victory, maybe Mitchell Johnson, 10-11. Yeah. We might have got into his head a little bit, I think. What yeah, do you think? I think so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mark War back in 1998-9 with the Mark War and Shane Warne. And no doubt yeah, this an year RC. with... Uh, I'm expecting big things from the Brisbane Barmies if uh, if Mr Payne is keeping wicket. I think he's oh. uh, he might come out with some earmuffs on, I reckon. He was on the podcast last week. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I, he I, was, I, yeah. Should we, um, should we move on to Chorus Corner? Yeah, let's go on to Chorus Corner. Right, Paul, you've been all around the world. You've been at the forefront and also kind of the, uh, the creation of many songs, right? And that is basically at the, at the very... <clears throat> it's at the front of what everything... Is a, the Barmy Army is about is it the singing it's great and that's why we've sort of weaved it nicely into the podcast we love it as well there's some imaginative stuff the, the beauty of doing the podcast is as well is that we'll say oh, right we want your suggestions in we've got so and so on the podcast next week bang this one in and people you know Chuck bless him our producer and, and social media yeah. geezer he's dealing with hundreds of messages of 
people sending songs in and he's got to try and compile them and stick them all on here and it's great some of the entries about are brilliant particularly with the World Cup just gone there's some belters you I mean you might not be able to choose a top three or a top four or a top five or even a top oh, ten I know but yeah exactly oh, I mean it's the best what have you got what, what's your favourite ones you don't have to do them in a ranking but I mean some that spring to mind Pro England um Bearing in mind, we are meant to be the England and Wales cricket board. Is yeah. the Simon Jones song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Men of Harlot, which to me is um, there's a big Zulu fan, and hearing that for Go the on. first time, and I was watching. No, I'm not singing songs. Wow. <laughs> Everyone knows the Alan, the Alan well, Donald song. We'll stitch him in. Yeah, the Alan Donald one is legend. As the uh, although having found out that it actually, what a lovely bloke that man is. <laughs> so actually finding out that he did get a little bit upset about it makes me feel but it still should be sung did we sing it to him on the podcast yes I think it was me- we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, yeah because actually what you're doing there is the guy is you know Mr South Africa and he feels he let the team down so us taking the piss out of him probably anyway it's, it fair, it's fair it's fair it game it's fair game and then maybe in the future need to be careful with a nice bloke like that but anyway it, it is what it is it was sung and it was very funny of course Sean Pollock sang it too so, right, okay. and then nice. Sean Pollock goes to the next World Cup um, to the same tune, and Sean Pollock gets done. That that I found quite funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so those two would be my two favourite ones. Obviously the Mitch, just because of the effect we had and the simplicity of it. He bowls to the left, he bowls to the right. Although I did hate the fact that it was the word shite because I did say his bowling ain't right, and yeah. of course that lasted about one movement to the left before the word <laughs> shite came out, and I thought that was the end of us because. As you both know, we don't like to do the swearing side yeah. of it. We leave that to the Aussies. And there's the word shite in it, and I thought it was the end of us. And then to find that Agnew thought it was brilliant. Um, <laughs> I guess he's quite a good yardstick yeah, on there. Yeah. If he thinks it's all right, then that was good enough for me. So, But he, he, you know, he's spoken about that you know, yeah. really He does, yeah, absolutely. When in Rome, isn't it, is the expression. Of and, and, but but I, I did like the fact, sorry, I did like the fact that we hadn't previously done too many songs with... Yeah. swear words in it because that is you know that's the that's the Aussie way isn't it but no 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 it's a really valid point you raised something we will want to bring up in this podcast with you because over the the, the 27 years of running the Barmy Army and before you handed the reins over to me you have been the one talisman for driving home the core values that represent the Barmy Army a lot of people might think the Barmy Army is stand singers that are always drunk and that's just not the case and Paul's been very very strong on the fact of we have some core values that we have to abide by and it's any opportunity to tell the world what those are and how we do it is, is worth telling. So especially at the moment in cricket where everything's pulled into question, the Barmy Army has had a strong set of core values from day dot and yeah. you've been very proud about those and you've been trying over the years to really drive them home to everyone that's come across the Barmy Army. Yeah, 100% mate. And, um... You know, I've done a fair amount of drinking, so I've been drunk. I'd like to think I'm a decent drunk. Um, you know, I'm more likely to cuddle someone than cause any issues. And you know, Touchwood never had any trouble in my life. And um, you know, I think it's all about you know behaving properly and supporting the England cricket team um, and doing it in the right way and having fun, but you know, not necessarily at people's expense, unless it's David Warner. <laughs> there has to be an exception. Or in this case, Tim Payne as well now. No, he's all right. He can't help himself, can he? <laughs> I mean, bless him, the response on the 
how anyone can say, well, look at the number of catches Joe Root's got again. I mean, that was one of the poorest yeah. pieces of banter. He didn't really get it. He didn't really so get I don't think, listen, I, don't, I think, I think pick, continuing to pick on him is just, it's actually bullying. Yeah. Because um, clearly he's not very, he's not there, is he? But Warner, come on. Yeah, Warner deserves yeah. it, doesn't he? Yeah. Warney did as well, but I think out of jealousy because Warney was so good. He was so good. And there's your, here's your, here's your throwaway comment, if you like. If Warney had been English, just imagine the change that would have been. Oh, my God. I mean, the best Warney quote is, is that have a love-hate relationship with the Barmy Army. I love them and they hate me. Oh, I don't hate him. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was English. Simple as that. <laughs> Great, man. What Warney said to one of our media men this summer at the Old Trafford Test wasn't too savoury about the Barmy Army, but we'll leave that one there. <laughs> really? Oh. Well, he goes in and out. There's been some pretty poor songs about him, but equally there's been some funny ones. You know, that going back to the question two minutes ago, whatever it was, your favourite songs. My, my one is still the Mark War. Mark War is an Aussie, wears a baggy cap. And when he saw the book, his castle said, I'm having that. He shared it out with Warney. They went and had some beers. And when the ACB found out, they covered up for years. War talks about that in his autobiography. Walked out to bat in Adelaide. That was sung once and then repeated by 10, then repeated by 100. And War suddenly heard it and was out after a very, very poor seven off about 70 balls. <laughs> so, right, yeah. so when you get into their heads like that, and it was a funny song. See, um, that's a good song. I've not done... Australia as a tourist, right? But um, everybody who says, because I was, we, we, we've had a, in the last episode, we had a couple, we had, we had with the crying Aussie from Headingley, the one who was caught on the TV crying, who's now basically become this viral kind of representation of Australia losing. Love it, right? Came on, good sport, fair enough. We finished talking to him, and I say to Chris, say, oh, he's a good, good lad, wasn't he? Good lad. You know, oh, Chris says, wait till you get out there. And I get that, and I get that. No, you were loving him, mate. I was loving him. I was loving him. Try and give yourself some good credit. I was loving him. Oh, the Aussies are great, aren't they? Great set of people. Hang on a minute. But I've not been there. This is it. This is the point I'm trying to make. I think that I'll tell you the analysis of it is actually quite interesting because the Aussies that I've met before I went to Australia were the ones that played at the beer clubs. And actually, they were normally, you know, the main boy, normally hooking up with the tea girl. They yeah. were the main boys, yeah, you know, blonde hair, six foot, bowling yeah. quick, da da da. Um, and actually, they were right. I think Aussies that travel, it's a bit like anybody, really. It's not just Australian thing. When you travel around, you tend to be a bit wiser and a bit more. Mm. But when you get in, so remember, it's their national sport. Mm. So let's imagine the Aussies coming over to England to a football ground. What are they going to think about? It's going to be a different attitude to, yeah. you know, the Barmy Army abroad. And, and that's to give them a little bit of credit, you know. Australia, there's nothing wrong with Australians at all. Yeah. But they can be, they are very competitive. There isn't. They are very competitive at home and you just want to beat them at sport. It doesn't mean you want to beat them up in the bar yeah. after. Yeah. It no, just means that the, the, the battle of the ashes is everything and they are very yeah. arrogant with their sport and you just want to beat them. You know, it doesn't mean you hate them. Yeah, you don't yeah. hate Australians, you just want to beat them. No, I'm with that. Yeah, I'm all yeah. over that. All we right. are brothers in arms, yeah, don't yeah. forget, you know. And that is the, um, <laughs> the, fight, the, the, the message for the ashes, isn't it? Brothers in arms, but... Yeah, we want to beat him, of course we, we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Paul, you're not going to be at the Ashes this time round for the first time in how long? How many Ashes series? The last there? time I watched the Ashes um, not in Australia was 1991. Oh, my God. Right. So I've been so, lucky enough to go eight tours of duty, as I call it, and this time, obviously, none of us are going, although a few of us might, touch wood, fingers crossed, etc. Mm. Might be to get over for the fourth test, but I'm going to be in Brazil the whole lot. Yeah, with uh, as you know, I have a Brazilian wife who's <laughs> yeah, yeah. very Brazilian, and um, we're going to go over there. Uh, going to arrive in São Paulo just around the Brisbane test, the first mm. test, 
I've already found out five English bars over there. I've got to know the CEO of Cricket Brazil, a guy called Matt Featherstone. Feathers yeah. is his name. We met him in the summer. Nice yeah. guy. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. Um, completely dedicated to Brazilian cricket. Mm. It's a uh, developing sport over there massively. Uh, obviously, mm. it's a pretty big Brazilian country. Brazilian shot and, you know, Absolutely. The Brazilian <laughs> shot needs to be shown. And uh, what happens if you're not good with your feet over there? So... I think yeah. cricket's got every opportunity. Especially what's um, now. <laughs> the, the women's game in Brazil is, is taking off. They are, they are doing amazingly well. So my wife and I will watch a bit of that. But the main thing is that I've got an excuse to, to go to Brazil and, and watch, hopefully, us win the Ashes over there. It'd be lovely to be in Australia. But, hey, I haven't done too bad, eight tours. But, um, yeah, I'll be watching it in Brazil and looking forward to making some friends over there and going to San Paulo. I think there's five or six bars that will be showing it that have got either English or New Zealanders that are that are running it so yeah that's what I'm going to be doing looking forward to it and just just a reminder that um, if you are um, here in the UK uh, listening to this podcast I know we've got listeners who aren't in the UK all around the world actually but we have got Ashes events not only um, in London which we've discussed on previous podcasts on the 10th and the 11th of December but also right here in Manchester, that's why we're in Manchester at the moment. We're doing a bit of a scouting evening, chatting to Paul oh, as well on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, if you've not got your tickets for Sixers Manchester, um, you can get the tickets on the Barmy Army website. It's going to be an absolute belter using all the nets. I mean, this competition, Chris, that you've got running at Sixers in Manchester mm. is a cracker, isn't it? Mm. So yeah, we've we've got all the nets for the night. So anyone that books a ticket to Sixers Manchester for the Barmy Army all night party will have access to free cricket in the nets all night. What more can you want on a cold winter's evening than to be in a nice warm bar with the beer flowing, with the ashes on, and free cricket all night? You can go and have a bat. If, you, if you're watching Routine, he's on 390, not out, um, <laughs> on, day th- on day two. Yeah, give him a bit th- of time. Then, um, then you might want to bat yourself and see how you can get on. We're even doing a 100 competition where groups of four and upwards can face 100 balls and see how many runs they get, and there's a big prize for the winner. So... Be sure to check it out on the Wednesday night of the Ashes. That is day two in Australia, the Wednesday night. Come and join us for the Barmy Army all-night party at Sixes Manchester. And Sixes is class as well. Sixes Birmingham's opening up next month, ready for booking. Head to sixescricket.com. You can pre-book now. They're open on the 16th of December. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Mm. You know, when you were uh, trawling round um, initially travelling and before you'd even registered the Barmy Army as a company, if I'd have said uh, you're coming in, you know, in a few years' time, you know, like 25, 30 years' time, you're going to be coming on a podcast to bar me RV that's had over a million downloads, it wouldn't have meant anything, would it? No. <laughs> it made sense. Nor, nor would the words COVID and Brexit either, mate. So, yeah. <laughs> that's another point. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you make a good point. Paul, we'll catch up before the West Indies talk. Pleasure, guys. Pleasure. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, you know. Maybe in another time, 500 episodes, I can oh, come yeah. on again. Come on. See you for the West Indies special. Yeah, West Indies. Cheers, Paul. Thanks so much. Network.